I've got a lot to say about the world I occupy every day. But when I say what's on my mind, I find I piss people off. You're listening to What the Folk, real talk and raw tunes for revolutionary times. I'm Joy Damiani. I'm Sarah Baranowskis. And on this 42nd episode of What the Folk, after a several-month hiatus, we will be talking about, incidentally, you know, life, the universe, and everything. I guess we've unintentionally had a Valentine's kind of (laughs) (laughs) Hallmark holiday conversation coming at ya. Yeah, we're a Hallmark card of a podcast. (laughs) Hell yeah, that's what What the Folk is all about here. So, yeah, we'll be back to the guest interview format sooner than later. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this little episode where we catch you up on our doings and thinkings. And uh, there's even some music and some poetry. And, uh, yeah, we're happy to be back. And uh, I'm going to start off the good time with a song I released on my last album, Notes to Self and Others. It's called Love Yourself. You can love yourself all night long. Keep going all day and you won't go wrong. Give yourself a hand cause you're the one who you belong with. Go ahead and love yourself all night long. You don't need somebody else to give you love. Everything you need fits in a huge-sized glove So give yourself a round of well-deserved applause Congratulate yourself on being everything you ever dreamed of And you can love yourself all night long Keep going all day and you won't go wrong Give yourself a hand cause you're the one who you belong with Go ahead and love yourself all night yourself is kind of like taking care of yourself and making sure you're acknowledging your feelings like 
you could be sad, and if you're not acknowledging that, you could kind of feel more sad, and it wouldn't. You would never get past that. And if and taking care of yourself is like taking care of your personal self, and taking care of your hair and your health and being careful of what you do with your body. What do you do to love yourself? I I pay attention to my needs. I mean, when I'm hungry, I, I eat. <laughs> when I am bored, I'll like read. Or when I'm feeling things, I'll do something to help that, you know. But not if I'm happy. <laughs> of course, I don't want to make happy go away. <laughs> That's what it means to love yourself. All right, kitten, just stop biting me. <laughs> That's a new development. Yes. What the folk fam, we have missed you. I miss yes. you so much that I got a kitten to keep me company. She got an emotional support kitten. Yep, an emotional support kitten who is probably going to make this podcast recording experience a whole new world for me. We're going to work with it. See how many scars I absorb in the process. Yeah. He thinks it's a game. He's all like, oh, I'm going to jump up on your lap and you're going to put me on the ground and then I'm going to jump up on your lap. And because I'm cute and fluffy, you won't notice how much that hurts when it'll, I bite you. It'll be like a game of fetch. <laughs> but for, exactly. For cats. I have a special um, song I sing him, you know, when he gets like <laughs> this. You know, it goes, head and shoulders, teeth and claws. Teeth and claws. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny watching you on the zoom because just all of a sudden this little ball of orange and white fur will like pop up at the corner and then your hand will just go and put it back down and it's just like this this it's cat task <laughs> exactly he's he's really testing my stamina my reflexes like yeah. it is kind of a game for me to see like how quick I can grab him and like divert him yeah but I don't want to be angry with him I don't want to be yeah, mean. it's it's hard because cats will kind of do their own thing regardless of what you want to tell them. So. Yeah, exactly. He does what he wants. Um, you know, I live here with him at this point. Right. <laughs> well, it's been a few months. Um, I wonder if people will remember this still exists. But you know what? What is time? All things happening all at once. Everywhere. You know, exactly. And, you know, the way I think of it is like, hey, nobody knew that we were going to do this the first time. Yeah. And somehow we've uh, we've really, I think, grown our little our little pod community. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think our I'm, I'm happy to be to be back doing it. It was I needed to focus away for a while. I know you did, too. Yeah. I mean, my favorite band's been on hiatus, so we're just we're just like fish. We went on hiatus, and now it's what the folk <laughs> 2.0. And hopefully we won't have a bad breakup and do a horrible last festival in Vermont that gets rained out and then come back like 10 years later. No, five years later. Yeah. That's the history of fish in a nutshell that nobody needed to hear. <laughs> I um I'm I'm here for that. I think yeah. that if we can possibly avoid that last part, 
you know, that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Especially not the super sad festival where, um, you know, one of us is so fucked up that we're fucking up the lyrics to our own songs. <laughs> Dude, no. I mean, I fuck up the lyrics to my songs, but only when I do yeah. the thing where I write a new verse the day that I'm supposed to perform it, like I did yeah. Thursday. Oh my God, that sweater did not have yeah. any rips in it before. Meh. Oh well. Uh-huh. Um, it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, you know. So, and then I, yeah, so I tried to, I tried to, Ouch, kitten, fuck. Okay, we're good, we're good. Okay, if so you need to, to put him in, in the room, I'm, you can. I might need to put him in the other room, yeah, okay. Okay, we had a pause for Bilbo Schnuggins to be quarantined <laughs> in his in his chambers. He's, he's safe and happy. He's got a walk-in closet and a bathroom with a litter box in it. Now that's all he needs. Yeah. Yeah, so he's fine. Um, anyway, in other news, <laughs> so here we are back again, 2.0, um, you know, whatever the next, uh, version is. Yeah. I feel like we've, we've both learned a lot and grown a lot in very interesting and significant ways in the last eight or so months, I think, since we've done Almost this. been a year, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> Is it good? Oh well. But what is time? I mean, it'll exist forever in the you know mm-hmm. the etheric realms of the internet. So exactly. If you're finding this decades in the future, um, number one, you should probably do something better with your time. But number Whatever, two, this is the best thing. <laughs> this is the best thing that anyone could do with their time. Stop, That's true. Stop fucking hating on our. <laughs> selves to the future people that's true it shouldn't be a a self-hater to future people but it's just (laughs) my sense of humor right now wherever they are well you know you're more of a performer than me I always have that thing whenever I put one of these episodes out where I'm like oh god people are gonna hear what I have to say (laughs) yeah I feel like I'm like oh good people have been listening to what I had to say and not necessarily liking it so maybe if I say more things and I'll like just kind of eventually the things that they they don't like angry with me would will kind of fade to the past yeah they'll find uh, new things to be angry new things yeah (laughs) always new things why would we stick to the same old things right um that's the goal right is to like always have people you know mad at you for different reasons (laughs) (laughs) have people mad at you for exciting and different new reasons yeah I, I like, you know, have better problems. That's my goal in life. <laughs> yes. So, um, speaking of better problems, yeah, I don't know where we want to start. Um, well, Sarah, how's your apocalypse going? Oh, Lord. It's been a very interesting internal kind of apocalypse this past year. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've been at a pretty big funk that is hopefully going to start lifting soon um 2022 was a really frustrating year for me in a lot of ways um just dealing with like weird job stuff and trying to like make headway on things in my life and just nothing was happening it was like the universe kept putting blocks up and blocks up and blocks up and I think I didn't get the memo and I should have just chilled out about it but instead you know I exhausted myself I think pushing against that energy And then starting around the fall and then in December this year, I just got hit with this really 
I don't know, like really dark depression that I hadn't felt before where like, like I'm not in like danger or anything, but I think I was telling you before you started recording, it was like, I was just having days where I felt really disassociated and being like, I could exist or not exist, kind of whatever. And I've never really felt that level of like, uh, just like not giving a fuck. And it was kind of a little scary when I was kind of snap out of it and be like, why am I like losing my spark and my motivation and my sense of wanting to do things. But I think, you know, since I'm still kind of in it, I don't quite know what the lessons are yet, but I'm sort of trying to just finally let go and let the process play out because I don't have, you know, a ton of control over, I mean, I do have control over like what I can do in terms of like making better self-care decisions, which unfortunately I'm sure what it hasn't helped is that my strategies for when I feel shitty are not always the best. You know, I tend to look for instantaneous solutions. We'll put it that way. I mean, I don't know anybody else who does that. You are, you are a lone wolf. I know. I'm the only person (laughs) in this crazy. I certainly can't relate. (laughs) In this crazy late capitalist society where you can get everything from TV to drugs practically delivered to your house. Like, um, yeah. Why would would that happen? (laughs) Yeah, so, no, I have no idea. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of been one layer of my journey. Um, and then another layer of my journey was um, I split with my partner during the, the pandemic. So 2020, 2021, and started dating someone, not thinking it was really going to be anything serious. And it turned out to be like a total twin flame or deeply in love relationship. That is also an open relationship. So if you want to do a lot of fucking work about yourself real fucking fast in a real fucking intense way and learn about every insecurity and attachment issue you have, I would highly recommend this path. Actually, I wouldn't. I am fucking crazy. The curriculums I sign up for, but so that's been going on too. And it's going really well. It's just, you know, it presents its own challenges. Also he has kids. So I've had this whole interesting quasi stepmomish role I'm stepping into and it's yeah just a lot of things that like in some ways I felt like I didn't even know if I have that much to talk about coming on here because I feel like it's all so personal but I guess like the personal is kind of a reflection of the macro right so like the work we do yeah. on a personal level especially in relationships I think you actually we can bring that out into the world and you know the things we care about but yeah it's just, it's just been yeah. kind of an intense ride. And I feel like I'm in a space where I don't really know what's coming next for me. And I'm just kind of having to let go. And it's really, really hard for me to do that, apparently. You know, though, I think that's like part of like the practice of life, right? Is like mm-hmm. that learning how to, how to like acknowledge the spaces that we're in and all the different roles that we're like performing and all the different like experiences we're exploring um, without going fucking crazy um, <laughs> yeah. or at least without, without becoming dysfunctional I would say because like we're all a little bit crazy in our own special ways um, I think there's like no such thing as an original problem really no you no know? so like when when we talk about personal shit it's like you know we're kind of connecting to the larger organism that way um, partly to be like hey you know Nobody is really fully alone out there. No. And, you know, because like, I think that it's in, in talking about personal things is where we, we find like our inner strength a lot of the time. Yeah, totally. And I will say as 
I've been very recently finally just being honest about how shitty I felt and actually talking to some people about it, um, whether it's like my boyfriend or friends. This is kind of a thing that a lot of people seem to be in right now to varying degrees. So if you're out here and you're listening, I guess you're not alone, even though it really <laughs> feels like it. And I know how much that sucks, but like, there's just, I think some intense shit happening, not just like on our human level, but maybe without getting, t- I'll just fucking get weird right out of the bat. I think there's some weird shit happening on the astral and it's <laughs> and it's a fucking mess everywhere. And I'm sure we're just all feeling it down here in our little 3D matrix reality. Spoken like a true Aquarius in Aquarius season. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, but for real, um, yeah, I think that, you know, there's just a lot of upheaval happening on a lot of like macro levels right now. Mm -hmm. And we're all feeling it internally, whether or not we're able to um, come to terms with it. You know, that's a whole thing. Like, I really, I really hope that we all have a good therapist at this point in life, whether or not, you know, we think we need one, um, just because it's hard to, it's hard to really cope with all this stuff of if you don't have someone to remind you that it's not you who's crazy, it's the system that's crazy, or it's like, you know, your brain is just not able to cope with the things it's being, it's being told to do. Yeah, and like ignore climate change, right? (laughs) You know, and like see housing as as like a privilege and food as something is something you have to earn, and money as being a thing that's real. You know, it's like it's all. You know, our brains get overloaded. I think with all of this bullshit we're asked to swallow. (laughs) I think it's it's a wonder that any of us are able to like function on a societal level. No. And I think too, one of my struggles, so I was talking to one of my friends about this is she was like, you're just obviously not someone who really fits into the nine to five schedule and can just fit into normal society. And she was saying, cause she's good at it, but her husband's not. So she was like, you remind me so much of my husband. Like it's, that is his struggle. Like, you know, whether it's for non-neurotypical brain reasons or just for whatever reasons, like I, I, it's like I'm a square peg trying to fit into a round hole or the opposite way, or I'm like really fucking weird shaped peg, <laughs> but you know, I think, yeah. That, and I think that's one of the reasons we get along is you've been able to at least, I mean, a great sacrifice, but you are able to kind of live a life where you are able to go with like the natural rhythms of what you want to do. And like, mm-hmm. in some ways I envy that. And I think that's where I need to get to but I'm not quite sure how so yeah well I mean that is like the thing that capitalism impedes right like I'm able Mm -hmm. to live like a relatively human friendly life because I sold my soul to the government for six years and it broke me um and that feels very weird you know because I'm like well socialism is possible they're just choosing to not you know not implement it just realized my microphone is like way down here. I bet that'll make my voice better if I put it up. Yeah. Not that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. So it's, it's kind of like we're all suffering because like nine to five is really like such an imposed schedule. Like what are days? What is hours? Like who says we need to sell the majority of our day 
or like a third of our day to some entity that profits off of us. Like, I'm sorry, did, did like you eat mushrooms and get told that by the fucking earthworms? No, (laughs) drink coffee and got told that by your boss. (laughs) Yeah. You're listening to the wrong voice of authority. (laughs) (laughs) You know, not that there's anything wrong with drinking coffee. I'm just saying like, um, you know, we wouldn't need so much coffee if we weren't (laughs) being forced to be awake at hours we don't want to be awake at. Yeah. I like being awake hours I don't want to be awake, which seems to happen a lot to me. (laughs) Dude, do we, do I, I don't think I know anyone who's come out of this, the pandemic without sleep issues. Yeah. I feel like that's another thing too, that maybe why everyone's feeling weird is we went through this kind of big trauma with the pandemic, um, regardless of how it may have affected you. I mean, maybe some people with privilege are going to afford to have poor people bring them their groceries, you know, um, yeah, maybe didn't feel it as much, but like, and I was lucky enough to work from home in a lot of ways. And like we started the podcast, but I feel like we haven't, we're just kind of acting like that didn't happen and let's move forward when it's like, no, that did happen. And it's still happening. And regardless Mm -hmm. of like, you know, I'm at the point where I really don't give a fuck of like, you want to wear a mask or not, you want to get a vaccine or not, whatever. Fuck it. It's for me, it's more about like, we haven't really reckoned with like the emotional and like spiritual shit that we went through and we're just kind of acting like it didn't happen. (laughs) Well, and it's like the whole time it was going on, like it's essentially, it's like the advertising industry, right? It's like Mm -hmm. kept like forcing all of this program, this messaging into our faces that like normalized this collective trauma we were all experiencing and was like, is everyone spending more time at home now? Well, here's some fun things you can do while you're at right. home. No, 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 no. And it's just like, oh my God, stop <laughs> the humanity. Like, you know, it's just like, stop advertising for, stop selling things for a minute. Like, just fucking stop. Just stop. Like, I hated selling. I still hate selling things. Like, that, even if things that I have paid to create, because I feel like I'm just like, all the, Basically, what happened is the pandemic hit and everybody didn't have a source of income and just started marketing themselves to each other. And I yeah. did that as well. We all did it. We're like, what can I do that's going to make me some money? What's What can I do that's going to, like, um, you know, keep me working on my craft? And if I'm a performer, like, keep me visible to my, you know, audience. And even if you're just like a social person, like what can I do that's going to keep me like being social? Um, yeah. I think the flip side yeah. of that, you know, it's, it's, I think it's okay. Like I don't necessarily think money itself is evil. Money is just a tool. It's just a symbol. Right. Like it doesn't have to be this crap that we made into. And like, we are allowed to, you know, call in abundance in our own lives. I'm not very good at doing it, but like, I think that's okay. And especially if it's like something you've created and like your labor, like it is okay to have that energetic compensation for it, you know, like that kind of thing should feel good as opposed to like exploiting people and paying them low wages. So one person can make a lot of money. You know what I mean? Totally. And like, it's not the principle of it that bothers me as much as the way that like the systems we were all using, Mm-hmm. are like to you know generate like attention about whatever project you're working on if you're yeah. a, a musician if like if you're doing a live stream like all of a sudden the algorithms 
started cracking down and like the like mm. it used to be you could just upload a video to Facebook or go live on Facebook and people would see it and watch it and then all of a sudden once like the meta corporation realized oh everyone's live streaming on Facebook now and like oh now how do we make this like a product mm-hmm. how do we make this more of a thing that has like a lot of gatekeeping and like um certain streams were you know pushed to the top certain streams were pushed and it was just like it felt really hopeless if you were not somebody who had like either already had a shitload of fans before the pandemic or like was really really good at you know playing social media um you know and like using tiktok and all the things that which is like it's still it's fun it's great but it's like it's so much more pressure and um and it got to be where it was like i don't know i felt like i was doing more promotion than performing mm. putting more energy into like trying to get people to know that i was doing a live stream more than i was working on songs you know yeah for example yeah and that's like i mean that's got to be really frustrating exhausting i get exhausted just like these days just even fucking opening facebook I like doing it when I engage with, I'm I'm really drawn away from social media a lot in like the past year, but like, it's different for me because like, I'm not at least at this point kind of needing to put my art out there to survive. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah, it's, I know you, you talked about all the algorithm thing before, which I just think is, yeah, it's just, again, just a sign of the sick system. Like as soon as people can kind of play it a little bit to get ahead, they figure out how to come back in, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, the early days of the internet, like I like, like I'm a big fan of Doug Rushkoff, who is one of like the kind of early, like um, kind of cyberpunk writers. And now he's, you know, obviously has a lot to say about where things ended up going, but like those early days of the internet were really like ideal and about democracy and about like having this kind of open free environment where people could share ideas and connect to people and elevate like voices that you wouldn't normally get to hear. And obviously, unfortunately did not end up being where we're at now, but maybe, who knows, maybe something else will come along. Well, I think it's like we're going to probably be in this cycle for a while. Like something gets invented that's intended Mm -hmm. to like make life better and more egalitarian and someone and it's great for a minute and then some asshole comes along and exploits it. And so then a new thing is invented and that's great. And then it gets exploited. You know, it's like this is kind of what the, um, you know, unfortunately, like the the cycle when – the people who kind of are the shittiest and <laughs> like they want the hardest to be the biggest deal. And so like, I think people who, who don't want power, you know, don't strive for it. And people who do want power do. And usually it's like the opposite of who should actually be in power if there is some. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Um, I was going somewhere specific with that, but can also just ellipsis it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that does make me think of, um, not that listeners want to hear us do a strategy meeting necessarily, but I've been (laughs) so much more interested now in like 
mutual aid and creating these alternative systems, even if they're just little bubbles that help a few people have a better life and come into community within this kind of crazy big bubble we all live in. I don't know, to me, that's mm-hmm. really, especially that was the thing that really shifted for me the most during the pandemic is I went into the pandemic probably saying, I was more of a democratic socialist, campaigned for Bernie. But now if I was going to place myself politically and like, I'd like to not necessarily fit neatly in a category, but I feel like I've become more of like this sort of like idealistic anarcho-communist that's interested in mutual aid projects under late stage capitalism right now, more than anything. Yeah, no, dude, that's a great nutshell. I hardcore relate on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I will go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Make it so the system doesn't see what you're doing and just do it. But I don't know, you know, how you or do like, that. yeah, exactly. Like n- not necessarily like, trying to hide what you're doing, but yeah. just sort of like don't make a big deal out of it. Just like do the thing. Do mm-hmm. the th- play to your strengths. Like that was a thing that I think I got out of the um protests here in Portland, like that it's awesome and great if you can be out in the streets all the time but if you're like me and you're fucking old and Hmm. you know your body is just like breaking loudlier and loudlier every day (laughs) no matter what kind of good shape you're in yeah (laughs) no matter what kind of good shape you're in it's like um yeah I was just like I need to figure out like what my like I think when I was younger, like my like physical presence was more of a strength. And now that I'm getting older and, you know, more cynical and, you know, trying to like find constructive ways to communicate, my strengths are more in like the experiences that I've had to learn from and how I can like share that, the things I've had to learn the hard way with other people so they don't have to. Yeah, that's, it's interesting you say that because I, I am far from an expert in this. I can link to resource in the show notes, but there's this, have you ever heard of human design? Mm, I don't think so. It kind of takes your natal chart information and it uses like the I Ching and a bunch of different systems. This guy Mm. developed it um, and kind of maps it on your physical body. But anyway, the takeaway is like, there's kind of like these life path numbers. I may cut this out because I don't even know if I'm saying this right. But mine is like, I can't remember, I think it's like three, five. It's like the path of the martyr and the heretic. And the martyr is the person (laughs) that experiences a bunch of shit. And then the heretic is the person that shouts that shit out into the world, basically. It's my very dumbed down version of it. But that sounds like that really vibes with me because I like, that's kind of, I feel like maybe that's why I go through all the shit that I go through is I'm like, there's something there that hopefully will be valuable for someone else someday. This is called Bad Timing. Jeff's voice is hanging a half-risen moon in our ears as we drive through the streets that first held his song, pinned with ramshackle cabins and anything the wind won't eat during the 8K winters. Then there's you, in profile, framed by the driver's side window, the moon, but in third quarter, drawn outside the margins. You don't even turn your head when you call out my smile. You just know. Usually with you, it's all bad timing. You bulldoze into songs too early. You wake up at 5 a.m. wanting to fuck. You apologize to the Lord when you take her name in vain while talking dirty. You turn Tuesday nights into Wednesday mornings. You text me sweet dreams at 8 p.m. Whatever sappy or sick scenes we construct leave no space for a clock. 
Exhibit A, the lake outside a wood-paneled condo, is sleeping in 3 a.m.-ish darkness. Inside, you're standing on a chair, singing about stallions, spinning your right sock in the air, your last piece of clothing. When you release it, it flutters towards my face. I make dramatic disgust noises and cackle as I bat it away. And in spite of the shiny haze of the day's regimen, I just know. Meanwhile, the world outside of us is running on time, demanding we feed it with laundry, ambiguously worded emails, trips to the grocery store, damn, I need to clean the litter box, and routine responses to everything that happens, from mass shootings to Hollywood punch-ups, while the weather hangs constantly over our heads as an escalating what-the-fuck. And sure, while there's always questions about the others that may lurk in our texts and dirty dreams, but that's mostly, like, occasional static. I can drop it all like a shabby bathrobe, unapologetic and naked, feeling like maybe I should feel some other sort of way while I'm crashing the threshold, but now I'm here, where the timing is all wrong, where the calendar is completely confused, where the moon phases to the pulse of a song, where your right sock is stashed behind the couch. I like that framing of like the murder and the heretic because yeah, yeah, usually when you're shouting the lessons you've learned, it's like not everybody has learned those yet or like maybe ever will need to. Yeah. And it makes them very uncomfortable to hear that shit. Um, But it's also like, you can't unsee the things you've seen. Um, You know, like I have, I've been too deep inside the belly of like the military industrial complex Mm -hmm. beast to ever be able to see a war as justified, for example. Yeah. Um, And to ever be able to see like a political leader as being actually for the people in any way, shape or form, Um, you know, presidential administration, I, you know, see, I've known too many famous people to like take any of them very fucking seriously. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Um. I definitely want to make sure we get to talk about what you've been doing, your book and stuff, but just real quick, your comment on like not being able to see things a certain way. It's not gotten to the point where like, I don't know. I just like anything that's happening on the national political stage, it seems like a TV show to me. It doesn't even seem like it's real. It's just like, Mm -hmm. oh, these people are mad about Jared Kushner. These people are mad about Hunter Biden for pretty much doing the exact same fucking shady shit. Then, oh, look who had classified documents. Trump. Biden has classified documents. It's like, are y'all getting the fucking memo at this point? Like, like do y'all really think <laughs> we are? Yeah, like, this is a th- It's like watching a performance mm-hmm. that is continuing after the lights have been turned on. Yeah. Um, do like, they not know the play is over? <laughs> like, and like we we know that it's a play. Like, like it's yeah. it's like or a sports game. I don't know. It's like if the fucking players stayed on the field and just kept beating the shit out of each other after the game was done. <laughs> I don't know because because really, I mean honestly, it all is just the entertainment industry at this point. You yeah, know? like watching the political farce play out. You know, watching these like political rivalries and pretending that, you know, like in certain areas, there's more of an impact Mm -hmm. um, than others with, you know, politicians, but it's usually local politicians. Um, Yeah. And yeah, and so it's just like watching it, I'm just like, I feel like amazed that I'm supposed to believe it and that this is like, 
the people in charge who are doing this. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, it's like having the country just being run by like fucking violent, psychopathic three year olds. Well, yeah, it's like funny to realizing, I mean, all the classified documents, especially me, it's like these people are just dumb and disorganized. Like I give myself shit for not being on top of my shelf, shit for being in debt. And then after I read the news, I'm like, oh, well, who's my example here in this country of Wait. being disorganized and being in debt? Oh my God. They're like some of like, honestly, to be the president, you basically have to agree to be like, to be like a pawn essentially. Yeah. So these are like essentially puppets being asked to be incredibly organized and incredibly secretive when you know what most of them are is men. And you know what? Like, I've never really known a man that was very good at being secretive. Like it always comes out in other ways. And, um, and I'm not trying to be gendered with that. It's just, I think women are and like femmes tend to anybody who is like, been in a very vicious social circle like you learn how to be secretive <laughs> yeah yeah I think that's definitely part of it too and maybe also that women you know maybe it'll be kind of crafty to survive under patriarchy and queer people too it's and like if you've ever too, had to like yeah. kind of wear Craft. a mask yeah. hide your identity and basically anybody who isn't like a white cis het rich man in this yeah. country you know, yeah. has to learn how to keep secrets. But who are the people in charge? <laughs> you know, yeah. white says hat rich men for, for the, the most, most part. part. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. You know, me um, yeah, I mean, or there are people that learn how to, you know, despite their identity, even maybe even use their identity to get, you know, uplifted, especially if you're on the democratic side of things, but they play the game, the same game. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah. It's yeah. all a game that they're playing, you know, like George Carlin said, it's a big club that we're not in. Yeah. And um, I mean, so many other like activists have also said that, you know, and so yeah. many, like it's basically been like the theme of anti-fascism. <laughs> you know yeah so. so yeah I just I don't know maybe maybe that's contributing people's mental states too as I'm sure there's a lot of people who have been so invested in this is the way we make things better and a lot of the like you know like I have a lot of good-hearted liberal friends now even some good-hearted libertarian friends you know that are they're more like the anti-war like cool libertarians not like the weird don't tread on me, but you can't have abortion libertarians. <laughs> they're, they're ethically, cons I know, ethically consistent libertarians. The whole conversation. Yeah. But anyway, the point is like, you know, that like maybe have been attached to one way the system should work out and how they think it could work out actually even to make people's lives better, even if I don't agree with all their theorizing. Yet. And I think for some people, it's still really hard to admit, you know what? this isn't working. But then the next question is, well, then what the fuck do we do? And that's a scary question. <laughs> it is right. But then it's like, when, once you get over the fact that it's scary, yeah. like, like, uh, Oh, new thing. Scary. Yeah. It's actually not scary. It's exciting. Um, mm -hmm. like yeah. you have like a little bit of imagination, which most people have at least a little bit of imagination. It's yeah. like, like, it's not, hard to think about like okay if we have to have money um you know like let's everyone should have it 
everyone should have enough of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if there has to be jobs, like everyone should be able to do something they enjoy, um, at least with with like most of their time, because mm-hmm. survival doesn't require all of your time when you've got the technology we've got, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, like that should be used to make people's lives easier and not to like manipulate people's creative work, for example. And I'm not going to go into the whole AI conversation right now because it's so much. We should have an expert of that on, though, soon and talk about it. And I might know some people there, actually. Um, So, yeah, I had a thought. Where did it go? Oh, just, yeah. And I think that's one thing, too, is, like, I get real cynical sometimes. But ultimately, I do think we're, we're capable of a lot more than I think we've been led to believe. And even though there's a lot of obviously stupid people out there and people that are maybe, I mean, I guess that sounds kind of judgmental, you know, people that have maybe been conditioned in a certain reality tunnels that, you know, seem destructive or insane or not well informed to us. But like, I do think people given, especially given the right conditions, like you said, like we have the tech to make people's lives better. Like we're just not applying to the tech that way. You know, people would actually be quite capable a lot. So, which again is why like, it's not like I don't give a shit about things like that are real on the political realm that are going to affect all of our lives. Like, you know, if the Republicans got elected and took away abortion rights, for example, but it is like, I think why I'm more interested in looking at those mutual aid and kind of communities within the system as a place to kind of solution and at least protect each other, if nothing else. Um, that was kind of rambling. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. Like we, I think we need to protect each other from, these like harmful systems um you know we need to protect each other from the fact that like politics is is a game like these people are making backroom deals every day like what happens in public is never the whole story that is you know and it's it's almost always you know it's like (laughs) you think that like people are more creative than like the entertainment industry puts out. Like, no, like people are doing dumb shit all the time, making stupid deals based entirely in self-interest and fear of losing their own status and power. Like it's not that complicated, but we just want to believe for some reason that the people in charge are held to some like higher standard when they're not. (laughs) <laughs> they're all just humaning the way the rest of us are and that's what's <laughs> kind of, less oversight <laughs> right that's what's kind of funny when you think about like conspiracies like QAnon or these things that try to like make this grand explanation for everything it's like again with a lot of those conspiracies I understand the impulse and even the like instinct to be like yeah our government is shitty and hurts children they're just 75 percent of the rest of the world's children probably more than that you know Mm -hmm. um because of our foreign policy and and in our own country too of course let's not forget but like the u.s government kills more children than any other government i think yeah probably probably i mean so like it's like again i'm glad you finally realized that but this is you know you're focusing on this this complicated plot that like do you think these people could fucking pull it off (laughs) it's basically at this point what i want (laughs) yeah like the generals the, and like all of the officials have, you know, their public relations team that is paid very, very well to make them sound like they know what they're talking about because they don't. 
and to make them sound like they're clever because they're not. And to, you know, remind them when they're about to like either talk out of their ass or like expose state secrets or, (laughs) you know, whatever, like they're not that well put together. They have lots of assistants. They have a team, you know, because (laughs) they're just people, man. (laughs) They're not more capable of deception than like the average dude you meet at a bar. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they did such a shitty job of hiding UFOs for so many years. I feel annoyed (laughs) at the people that like needed it to be officially released. So like you had needed permission to like believe in that UFOs were at least a possibility. Like, right, really? like once there's an official memo about it, like it's only because, yeah, and I'm like, and also like, why are you looking to the people who lied to you to be the authorities all of a sudden? Like, <laughs> like now it's like, okay to talk thing. about UFOs, <laughs> right? Well, and also like, I mean, look at freaking anything in this country. It's like, don't talk about it, don't talk about, it. and then all of yeah. a sudden, it's like once it's completely all anyone's talking about, you know, the agency in charge is like, yeah, so you know that thing. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much right. how they handled the, the lab the lab leak from COVID. <laughs> Told oh everyone God. it was crazy conspiracy to even want to qu- proffer the question that perhaps research on this exact thing perhaps could lead to this thing. Like even the people that were just like, can we ask the question? Were like deplatformed and fucking had their right. careers ruined. And now, now it's just like low-key, like, yeah, we're just we're gonna investigate this officially. And yeah, it was kind of could happen. I mean, freaking like, remember cool. Obama being like, well, yeah, we tortured some folks. Yeah. Like that, like that's literally like that's that's how I think about it. Anytime anything comes out, it's like that's how they're they treat it all is mm-hmm. so like this couldn't possibly like, oh, there there were definitely weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Like totally were. It's like, yeah. No. And then they're like, yeah, no, they we so I mean, well, and then it's look at look at now. You know, I I just keep thinking about this in terms of like free press and what information we're allowed to get. And yeah. um, I was reading earlier about the big ginormous fucking train collision or train crash in um, Ohio with all of the chemical leak. Um, that's essentially just like. It's just burning hydrochloric acid off into the air, um, like millions of gallons or million gallons or something like that. And um, and a reporter who went to 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 report on it was arrested and like at a press conference and just taken away. And you're like, oh, so this is just happening. Like this is that this is how they know how to respond. Wow, I hadn't heard about the reporter. Um, yeah, I had um, heard about the train crash. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, shit is being suppressed. They don't know even like how to subtly suppress shit anymore. <laughs> They're just kind of going full like fucking take that guy out. You know, <laughs> look over there. Look over there. <laughs> it's like this is this is late stage yeah. capitalism. I think right. It's like everything is just kind of imploding. People it's like. Very- ah! cartoony at this point and terrifying so who knows? So. maybe that's why we're all a little off kilter um 
We all expect an amble to drop on our heads at any moment. <laughs> well, it's now that we spent 40 minutes answering the first question, how is your apocalypse going? <laughs> I mean, that was like, that was, I feel like that was like a team answer also. That was a I team mean, answer, but you've had answer. some cool stuff going on. So share what you would yeah, like to share. I have had some cool stuff going on. Um, I published the book and that has been great. Um, I'm, I've been getting some really good feedback on my memoir and, um, and it's been really cool because when I go into schools virtually at this point to mm -hmm. talk to high schoolers or community college students about the military and about military recruitment, I can now be like, and I have this book that you can read. And like, sometimes their teachers assign it to them. And then I get to be required reading, which is a whole thing. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. It's not even that. It's just more of like, oh, good. Like I can give people this book to read before I show up. So they know what questions are, you know, they, they can ask new questions. <laughs> um, um, we'll make but, sure. To have yeah. So that, oh, go ahead. I was just to say, we'll make sure to have all the info. Um, if you follow us on the socials, it's all there, but like how to get yeah. Joy's book um, and how to get it into your local libraries and all that good stuff, which I'm saying to remind me that I need to do that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's available the at ball. the Boston. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. So for anyone out there who wants it in your local library, you can really just easily like do a little search on your search engine of choice for, you know, how to request a, a library purchase for your local library. Um, and it is pretty easy. Um, it's already, the book is already in the Boston Public Library and the Multnomah, I think possibly the Multnomah County Library. I know it was requested by somebody. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so that's an option. And yeah, it has felt really good to get it out there, although very terrifying also to yeah. know that I can't edit it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a hard one. That was always a hard one for me, even when I was just doing like reviews of live music in Austin when I lived there, is I always loving yeah. that, like letting it go and being like, yeah. 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 Yeah, so that's been um that's been going that's great. I'm just really happy to have it done. Um I'm in a band now playing bass. We're kind of gigging a little bit here around Portland. That's been fun. Um we're called the Freak Beats. We don't have really anything on the internet that much yet, but we will soon. Cool. Um and I've been starting to do try and get out and do more solo gigs, um, which has been really fun. I wasn't doing it for a while because obviously pandemic threw a wrench in my, um, in my performance life <laughs> as yeah. everybody's, right. but kind of even before that, I was, um, really hitting a wall with it because, um, after my divorce, I found out that a lot of the musicians that I, I thought were, you know, my friends were actually not. And a lot of the people that I <laughs> had been playing with were no longer really, um, really around. And 
I start in the night, um, yeah, and I started to hear a lot of untrue things about myself around mm. the community. Uh, so I took a large step back for a while, and it was like a pretty big, pretty big deal to uh, put myself back out there again and be like, especially um, having changed my name in the last couple of years. Right. So, you know, basically like emailing venues and being like, hey, you've never heard of me, um, but I promise, I promise I'm pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> I know what I'm doing a little bit and it would be great if I could, you know, play at your thing. Yeah. You know, and just <laughs> remembering to like stay <laughs> humble and, oh, hey, kitten. She's getting chunky. <laughs> chunky, but like. Yeah, chunky kata. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's been like a big exercise in remembering, like, you know, I'm doing the thing that I'm doing for the sake of doing it. Um, you know, whether I'm playing my own songs or playing covers or like playing a, you know, songwriter circle or doing like a whole full full set. Who you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just to not get hung up on um, how it's going to be received or whether it's going to take me anywhere, but just to remember how much I love doing it and hope that it's valued by others. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes that's, you know, when things happen is just when you're letting go of the reins a little bit. I mean, I'm saying this to myself, so I'm just anything else, you know, but Mm -hmm. so that's cool. You know, in some ways you had this experience that really like broke you down and you almost had to, or you're almost like rebuilding. So a hundred percent rebuilding. Oh my God. I was just a hot mess. Um, yeah, because you know, a thing that, I, you know, there's one other thing I want to talk about before we like wrap up. And that mm-hmm. is a thing that has, was really like very impactful, both in my experience um, as a performer while I was with, um, my ex, who was also, for those who don't know this, who was also, who was a, a musician long before I was, um, it was the sort of patriarchal, misogynistic um, way of the music scene and um, the way that I was expected to um, kind of fall in line mm-hmm. first as like a band girlfriend slash band wife and then like as I got to be more of a performer like as a like a know your place type of performer like I was I was always you know still kind of referred to as and I um I don't want to say referred to but I was kind of put into like a secondary category with my partner who was you know in a space of some like um, achievement or whatever, you know, or success in that scene, not on like a massive scale, but on, you know, like I think it's a success to make most of your living playing music. Um, And so, you know, it was a struggle because it was like, first, I think, because I write the kind of songs that make people uncomfortable anyway, (laughs) because I can't help it. And then because I was like 
you know, married to this person who existed in this very patriarchal society. Um, I experienced a lot of like kind of people bristling when I wasn't like more submissive or more like docile (laughs) or more just like hero worshipy of the male musicians um, in that scene. And so, um, yeah, and I, oh, yeah, sorry, I was just saying, I feel like I, you know, there's corners of that scene that I think are getting better, but I do think, still think that kind of bluegrass Americana acoustic song mm-hmm. or scene maybe more than other musical genres right now has, has its issues with sexism and sort of certain roles women should play. Not, not entirely, but it feels like, yeah, that's, was my experience. Again, I'm not as immersed in the scene as I used to be though. So. But. Yeah. It really, I mean, and it's like, you know, of course, like country music and bluegrass, like very, very misogynistic, very, very patriarchal, of course. Yeah. But the difference with like the new grass and like jam band scene is that like they kind of pretend to be progressives yeah, um, and pretend to be like sort of sensitive new age guys or like feminists and, but they're not. And um, so a thing I've been dealing with recently is, um, you know, the way to stay like very, very anti-patriarchy and, and call out misogyny and like abuse enabling in that, um, in that scene as I see it, you know, um, and in any area of like, you know, the world where I see it honestly Mm -hmm. but then still like look at it as like that's going to probably limit some of my paths for you know traditional success um because it's like it's I bring this up because it's I've been dealing with a, a person who um is promoting a festival that hired somebody that I you know personal experience with being very problematic and I reached out to the festival via like a post on their Facebook page and you know I expected it to be ignored because that's Mm -hmm. the system we live in like I expected my post to be ignored and it was um like a day later someone else responded and was like I'm so sorry that you had that experience and I'm sorry that these people are not you know respecting you Mm -hmm. And the festival, like, promoters, like, respond, they basically deleted the comment thread and they, like, posted this whole justification of, like, this is not the appropriate way to, you know, report abuse. Um, This is, you know, a family-friendly festival and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And basically blew it off. And so it's interesting, right, because, like, I look at it as – you know, this is really systemic anyway, but when it's like coming from, the, you know, this guy and his like board of directors who some of them were women, it's like they're hiding behind these, you know, so-called progressive facades and like repeating yeah. the same, um, you know, misogynistic and you know, gaslighting and, and silencing of abuse survivors Um that, you know, the people they look at as, you know, the other side are doing. Yeah. And it's like, um, I'm trying to think of how to consciously this because yeah, 
your experiences are so real and valid. And I feel like maybe something that's happened in the last few years that it's, it's not even playing devil's advocate, but I feel like a lot of people have weaponized their trauma so much and it's become another way to traumatize people that it's starting to maybe get a little confusing for people to know how the fuck to respond. And also everything is kind of being exposed. So you do get at this point where, you know, we've, I've organized that cannabis and psychedelic symposium at CU and we've had issues the last few years. And some of it's come down to like, we're hearing this from one person, then we're hearing something from someone else, you know, and you get like, it gets to the point where as an organizer, you're like, who do we deplatform? What's our criteria? How do we decide? And it's maybe not necessarily people being shitty. It's maybe people that just fucking don't even know how to fucking figure it out. And they need to figure it out. Like it's well, fucking yeah. hard and I'm not making excuses for anybody, but I do think there is as someone who's sort of been on the other side of it, I can see how sometimes you're like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Who do I believe? Everyone's got a story. And who's when well, something's real for you, you know, it's like, that's, I think that's the thing that kind of sucks about the way the internet kind of turned trauma into like a TV show for everybody. Oh, totally agree. And I think that, you know, if I was just a random voice, that would be different. But this guy mm. knew me. Um, oh, see, that's different. And and okay. he he made a phone call to the person, mm. the abuser that I was yeah, referring yeah. to, and had a conversation with him, uh, and then refused to have a conversation with me. Um, so it's one of those things where I look at it as like, you know, yes, in some cases people are confused, but in a lot of cases they're they're not. Mm. They know exactly what they're doing. They know what they're what their marching orders are like you cover up um for the men and you uh you know keep keep the boys club intact and keep the women in their place in this case uh, the man in question uh the promoter in question had a, a woman friend of his communicate with me on his behalf and he told her that he wasn't going to call me Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it's like we have men using women weaponizing women against other like femmes and women and you know other against you know people that they don't want to talk to meanwhile engaging with the um the aggressors Mm -hmm. and honestly i know i know i'm talking about it in the music world but i think that's it's everywhere is it's happening and it's getting really fucking exhausting um yeah to deal with (laughs) Totally. And I think it, in some ways there is also becoming less gendered. A lot of this stuff about abuse in the psychedelic community that's been coming out. It's like, there's a lot of male victims, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, and it's the cis white hat men that are ripping into psychedelics, you know, getting Mm -hmm. abused by the same systems largely. But like, so like, I, I always think we're at a point now where it's like, everyone's seeing how the fuck we've traumatized each other and how our own trauma maybe isn't being listened to. And it's like, I don't know, it's how the fuck do you deal with all that? No wonder everyone's fucking depressed. So, and I hope that it was okay right. that I kind of brought up those counterpoints because I wasn't trying to like, because knowing especially the context, yeah. but, but I do think it's like, I'm just because I'm currently dealing with some of that now and some of my own organizing life. And it's, it's like, I can, it's sometimes hard to know from that perspective what to do, but it sounds like in this case, there's more context and things should have been known what to do. <laughs> so, yeah. And, um, and basically the, the end of this story so far, cause it's not over as far as I'm yeah. concerned, um, is that 
this uh, promoter told the woman who he was using as a buffer that if she hadn't spoken up on the post, he would have just ignored me. He just told her that. Like, he literally oh, said it. That's super um, shitty. It's super shitty. And yeah. it wasn't until, like, I called her and had a conversation with her and said, like, you realize that this is what he literally just told you. Like, <laughs> that he didn't care. <laughs> and, like, you're trying to, you know, see his perspective as a person that you have considered a friend. And that's fine. But, like, he's showing you who he is. Like, we've got to believe people when they show us who they are. And... I think the lesson, you know, the way my apocalypse is going is like <laughs> the veil is being lifted all over the fucking place. Yeah. Like I see people for who they are m more readily these days. Um, I don't like to project onto people the way I would like them to be because that regularly is very disappointing, if not harmful. You yeah. Know? To them as and well. Think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To them as well. Um you know, but it's like at the same time, we have to pay attention to the fact that like this system we live in and this like, especially if we live in the U.S., um, you know, we are being consistently gaslit and exploited by the people that we're trusting to, you know, run shit. And that's exhausting legitimately. Like we're all allowed to be exhausted. <laughs> yeah, and then it's interesting because my, my my apocalypse has been going in some ways has been I'm starting to see myself for who I am and really fucking having to go into some shadows and seeing shit that's like I it's ugly I don't like it I see where I've been the villain and I can even see where I've like I've fucking probably caused some trauma in points in my life you know that like you I feel like but you know so it's interesting I like thinking about how that kind of like trying to self heal and self be responsible about stuff um you know that how that can again kind of be a weird mirror to like what's happening out there while we're seeing the same process unfold with others so I don't know I feel mm -hmm. like I'm at this point where it's like I love myself but I also am like very realistic about my own shit and at this point I have nothing else to do but be realistic about my own shit and be like yeah I fuck up I fuck up a lot but mm -hmm. I'll fucking own it <laughs> you know right so like yeah, I mean, we are inevitably going to fuck up. It yeah. is the human way. Um, to fuck up is human, as Shakespeare didn't say. To take ownership <laughs> or make fun of yourself is divine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and on that note, um, yeah. I feel like... I would like to um I would like to wish our what the folk fam um you know just a lot of like love and comfort and empathy send out send out that vibe and especially as Valentine's Day is coming up I'm not sure if we're going to get this out before that but around that time yeah um I just want to send out love to people struggling either in or out of relationships and um the song I'm going to include in this episode is Happy Ever After which is a song I, I, last song I recorded with my former spouse oh, before. Wow. Yeah, I know, super fun irony right there, um, right before oh. he imploded our marriage that I really should have 
I really should have not ever been in, in if we're being fully honest um, with ourselves, which is, you know, divine. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, I wrote Happy Ever After um, and uh, recorded it. And uh, and it, I am, I'm really, I feel like it's my constant reminder to myself that, you know, Nothing is ever guaranteed to stay happy. Just like it's not guaranteed to stay bad. What's funny is the poem that I actually will be bringing. First time ever having my poetry really out in public, probably since I was little and won like a poetry writing contest when I was in third grade about spring. But that's that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, lots of cool third grade imagery about robins and shit. It was, it was sick. Um, is kind of a love awesome. poem because... It's been weird for me living through the apocalypse and while being in this intensely deep and loving relationship that you can kind of like escape into and then kind of have guilt about that sometimes. And, mm -hmm. But having to still take that journey because that's what you signed up for. So, yeah, I guess we're, we've unintentionally had a Valentine's kind of. <laughs> hallmark holiday conversation coming at ya yeah this is all, we're a hallmark card of a podcast <laughs> hell yeah that's what, what the folk is all about here is that that hallmark quality um so you're joydamiani.com yeah so i'm joydamiani.com and uh that's you can find all the things i've been up to and sarah do you have a website up yet not yet, but um, I'm doing donation-based tarot readings, depending on if I'm, you know, not too depressed to talk to somebody else. Um, <laughs> but you can, for right now, just message me um, on Instagram at sand equation. That's sand and then math, like equation, like math equation, sand equation. Um, Sarah Baranowskis, um, that's, that's me. And you can, we can set up a Zoom tarot reading. Or if you're in the front range, we can you know, meet up for coffee and maybe do an in-person tarot reading. If, yeah, if you're not going to try to recommend me. your tarot readings. Thank you. Sarah reading tarot is one of my life, like one of my life experiences I enjoy most. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. No, you yeah. always provide great insight. Yay. Well, you heard the endorsement here, folks. Book a tarot reading. <laughs> <laughs> excellent all right what the folk fam we love you stay your awesome selves or your shitty selves if you're shitty <laughs> or your awesome and shitty all at once selves <laughs> yeah exactly stay your awesome shitty selves and we'll do the same <laughs> yes awesomely shitty we love y'all <laughs> happy ever after that's a myth i believed when i was six Watching princesses ride off into the sunset Jump from one disaster to the next Feeling permanently hexed Watching peace fall right between my fingers There is no prince who is always charming There is no witch who is evil through and through there is no story with a happy ending that ever gets there without a sad middle or feel. Wake up and the world is upside down. Now the door has caught my gown. I can't see, but I feel.
me into the shadows Fumble in the darkness for a light Find my way out of the night Though I know it never fails to follow sunrise Now I don't believe in fairy tales They just put me to sleep trees I've been brought down to my knees all you do is touch me and I crumble I pick up the pieces yet again there's no reason to pretend that we ever stay together more than sometimes there is no prince who is always charming there is no witch who is evil through and through. There is no story with a happy ending that ever gets there without a sad middle or few. There is no story with a happy ending that ever gets there without a Folk is co-produced and co-hosted by Sarah Baranowskis and Joy Damiani. Sarah is based on the native lands of Arapaho, Cheyenne, Ute, and Ocheti Shakoan tribes known as Denver, Colorado. Joy is based on the native lands of the Cowlitz, Clackamas, Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde, and Confederated Tribes of Siletz Indians known as Portland, Oregon. Our guests on this episode have been um, each other and our respective cats. Featured music has been Love Yourself and Happy Ever After by Joy Damiani. And the featured poem was Bad Timing by Sarah Baranowskis. You can find more information about us at whatthefolkpod.com. Um, if you want to donate us money, you can do that through PayPal if you want to. We don't have a Patreon set up, but whatthefolkpod at gmail.com is where you can reach us and, um, you know, send us advice and gifts and feedback and gifts. Did I say gifts? Anyway, um, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Your presence in our uh, sound waves here is a gift to us. So thanks, and we'll see you again very soon. As always, don't let the apocalypse get you down.